1982, the world was introduced to a little wrinkled alien. We know him as E.T. You remember this one? It's a heartwarming movie. It's still extremely popular. One little fact about the movie, and you've probably heard this one. It was one of the first notable examples of product placement in a film. They wanted to use M&Ms in one scene, but Mars Incorporated, the maker of M&Ms, didn't give them permission to do it. So Steven Spielberg, who was directing the movie, used Reese's Pieces instead. Hershey's Foods, who makes those, struck a deal for it. And in the weeks after the release of E.T., the sales of Reese's Pieces increased by as much as 85%. Hollywood found a new cash stream. By featuring certain products prominently in a movie, they could collect some advertising revenue. And as they collect that money, they're also making the movie a little more realistic because they're using real name brands, real products. And these companies are eager to do it because they get a big boost with these partnerships. Advertising tries to influence us, to nudge us in a direction of spending money on products or on services based upon what we see or hear. And this year in the United States, just this year, 2024, Non-political advertising. We're not counting the political ads here. Even though there's going to be a lot of those. Non-political advertising is expected to hit $380 billion in this country this year. That's a big number. A little bit of perspective. The entire United States automotive industry, all of it, is worth a little over $100 billion. Advertising is worth almost four times more than the automotive industry. You think they're spending that much because it doesn't matter? You think they're throwing that much out away because it's useless? Matter of fact, tonight, during a certain television program, I believe the news article said an ad buy for the Super Bowl started at $7 million. $7 million. Why? Because they are giving a lot of eyeballs and a lot of ears to what you want to say. They want to influence us. It's everywhere. You can't get away from it. If they could find a way to put it on the back of our eyeballs, they would. Because that which we look to will affect us. Sometimes greatly. Sometimes subtly. Friends, our influences matter. That which we surround ourselves with matters. That which we look at, that which we immerse ourselves in, it matters. And as Jesus sparred with the religious leaders, as people came out to see his great works, but yet they ignored his teaching, he again speaks a parable dealing with light. We're talking about Jesus' parables in the Gospel of Luke. And when we come to this one, it's like, wait a minute, preacher, you're giving me a rerun. No, it's a different parable, but with a pretty familiar start. In Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 33, no one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. 
Your eye is the lamp of the body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. Again, Jesus using this image of a lamp on a stand. You know, we preachers, we've got our favorite jokes. We've got our favorite illustrations. You'll keep hearing some of these. This was one of Jesus' favorite. He used this concept of a lamp on a stand time and time and time again. Each time, tweaking it a little bit. Illuminating different truths with it. Not quite the same parable told multiple times, but the same image that is used to create multiple parables. Talking about a lamp. And it makes sense. We talked about this. When you get a lamp, you do it because you need light. And then he goes from talking about a lamp to talking about our eyes. And the thinking then was that light was emitted from the eye. That when you opened your eye, light would go out. See, Jesus is showing he knows how it works. Which doesn't surprise anybody, does it? One had hoped the Son of God would know how the eyeball works. The eye is a receiver of light, not an emitter. He doesn't get into perfect biological detail. He doesn't talk about the cornea, the iris, the lens, the goo in there. doesn't bother with it. But he does talk about how it collects the light. And this light that Jesus mentions is a light that the people were ignoring. They would come out, it would be right in front of their face, and they would ignore it. And it's a light we shouldn't ignore. Jesus takes this light and he makes it available to us. Again, this lamp on a stand. And this is common sense. You get a lamp, you turn it on because you want light there, right? And what do you do when you're not using it? Turn it off. Any of you ever get yelled at as a kid? Turn the light off. Any of you get yelled at now? Turn the light off. First first service, you know, all the dads were nodding. These people around here think I'm made of money. They leave the light on. They fiddle with the thermostat. They don't close the door. (laughs) Yeah, this hitting home for a few of you? Yeah. Yeah, God, our heavenly Father, doesn't turn on a light so it's not used. (laughs) If it's on, you want it available. You want it to be useful. And again, this image of light is about Jesus' teaching. The light is his teaching. And Jesus and his teaching, that's continually likened to light. God's word also, you know, God's word, God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know, this light and dark image we get, I don't even have to explain it much to you because it just clicks, right? It's natural. It's very accessible to us. So why is Jesus using this image again? He used it not that long ago. Well, in a parable, if you're dealing with a parable and you're scratching your head and you're like, okay, why is this happening? Back it up a bit. Look back at at what comes right before. Jesus had just been comparing that generation to some notable events in Israel's history. When the queen of the south came up to visit Solomon and to hear his wisdom... And also when Jonah preached in Nineveh after getting out of the fish. 
And Nineveh heard his words and repented. And Jesus said, at the final judgment, the queen of the south, Nineveh, they're going to rise up and they're going to condemn you because someone greater than Jonah or Solomon is here. Jesus is greater than Solomon. He's greater than Jonah. But those who were listening to him were rejecting his message. Here comes Jonah with frequent sailor miles on fish lines united. And he walks the streets of Nineveh preaching and they hear him and they repent. The queen of the south comes up to hear Solomon and his great wisdom. And these people, the teaching of Christ, the very son of God is right there before them. And they're brushing it off. You see, they came out to see the show. They loved the healings. They yearned for the spectacle. Jesus is doing amazing stuff. Nobody could do this like Jesus could. Even the religious leaders knew it. When Nicodemus and John comes to Jesus, he says, Look, we know you're from God. Nobody can do these things you're doing unless God's with them. Everybody wants to see this stuff happen. But then they promptly discounted what all of that was pointing towards. You see, Jesus did all of his miracles to point to his message. He had compassion, but the real reason he healed wasn't compassion. He cared about people, but the reason he fed the 5,000 wasn't because he heard a tummy rumble. He did his miracles because they lent credence to his message, because they showed that what he said mattered. If you have a man who has authority over sickness, who can heal people at a touch, if you have a man who has such authority over demons that he can cast them out and command them at a word, if he can do all these things and more, then you would think what he is saying should be carefully considered, should be weighed cautiously. We ought to think about what he's saying. And they'd come out to see the show and ignore what he said. Because Jesus didn't come to entertain. He came bringing a message, and to ignore it is to take God's light, to place it under a bowl or in a closet, to buy that nice new lamp and turn it on and keep it in a place where nobody can ever see the light. It's nonsensical. It's foolish, right? You dads, if somebody was doing that, you'd be a little miffed, wouldn't you? But what's more, it wastes an opportunity. Because the light is available so it can be used. God gives us the light of Christ. We're supposed to put it to work. Jesus now starts talking about the eye. A good eye, a healthy eye will admit the light, will benefit the body. If we have eye, pro if we have eye problems, it's an issue. Because we depend so heavily on our sense of sight. You know, I don't really remember having a perfectly healthy set of eyeballs. I got my first pair of glasses when I was in second grade. Any of you have kid, have uh, glasses from when you were a child? Yeah, you start needing glasses well before you actually get them. And finally, your parents are like, well, why is Junior squinting at everything? And even today, when you get a new set of glasses, you know what it's like? Like, ooh, the trees have leaves again. Like, the world's back to HD. 
But yet as we age, we discover other issues with eyes. I was actually just talking about this with Vic. This last year, I got myself some new glasses. Progressive lenses. Had to figure them out. I had to change how I keep my sermon notes. Now I have to keep them in a binder and it's big print. Because when I'm up here, if I move my head, everything distorts. It's bizarre. First couple weeks, I felt like I was getting motion sick from watching everything go. The eyeball doesn't work like it used to. And some of you have discovered other issues with your eyes. You get cataracts. You get glaucoma, right? Macular degeneration even. The old eyeball ain't eyeballing anymore. A bad eye, a diseased eye, won't admit light. The body won't benefit. It doesn't work like it used to. We start having problems. And remember, Jesus is talking about light is his teaching. And taking it in, following it, being shaped by it, you benefit. He's talking to people who want, who want the show of his actions, but they ignore the meaning of his words. They're closing their eyes to that which truly matters. Because if they cared at all about Jesus, they wouldn't just show up for the show. They would listen and they would obey. Friends, if we turn a blind eye to Jesus' teaching, we won't benefit. The light won't enter. It won't help us. We might come to Jesus because Jesus seems like a cool guy. He's just countercultural enough for us to feel cool. We like the Jesus that says, love one another. We like the Jesus that says, don't judge. But we stop listening the moment he demands we change our thinking and our behavior. We're not as interested in the Jesus that says, be holy for your Father in heaven is holy. We're not as interested in the Jesus that says, go your way and sin no more. We want the easy Jesus but we're not sure we want the true Jesus. Jesus can come this far in our lives, but no further. We keep Jesus at a little bit of a distance. The light is there, but we're not really making use of it. We're not letting it in. We're not yielding to it. And these people, they had a nasty habit of liking Jesus, but not listening. Sometimes Jesus starts getting a little harsh with the crowd that's following him, and it's because they're seeking him, but not following him. They're seeing him, but not really listening to him. And that's not how we are to be. Because Jesus isn't just trying to talk to us. He wants his teachings to influence us. We hear, we obey, and in doing that, we are changed. Yeah, the world is trying to influence us. The world never stops trying to influence us. In subtle ways and gross ways, they are trying to mold us into what they want us to be. But it is Christ's influence that will truly help us. Sometimes we think, man, if I could just get away from the troubles of this world. But all throughout the New Testament, there's never any kind of understanding or inkling that Christians can get away from the world. In fact, Paul at one point says, you know, in order for this to be the case, we'd have to be away from the world. We'd have to get out of it. But he never says that's what we're to do. The understanding, we're always going to be in the world. It's always going to be pressing in on us. But the real influence on us isn't to be the world. It is to be Christ. Christ. 
We can't just be in proximity to Jesus. We can't just hang around Jesus. Friends, we need to be listening. We need to be doing. We want to be around Jesus sometimes. We don't really want to let him in. Do we come to church? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of folks that hang around Jesus. They come to church, but we just let that teaching slide right off of us. Well, this is just how I am. Well, maybe. But we're to be like Christ. That may be who we were. But friends, we have been redeemed. We have the living spirit of God living in us, changing us, molding us, that we become like him. Friends, if we put his teaching to work, we are seeing the truth. We are understanding what really matters. We're gaining his blessings. This is a simple parable. This is not hard. Are are our eyes open or closed? Are we making use of the light of Christ or do we close ourselves off to it? Do we allow Jesus to influence us or are we allowing the world to do it? You get together and turn on the Super Bowl tonight. Uh Uh-oh, I said the words. NFL's coming after me. You're going to see companies that paid $7 million a pop to get inside your eyeballs. But are you going to allow yourself to be influenced by the one who let himself be nailed to the cross to change your heart? Do we come to Christ for a little entertainment or do we yield to him for an eternal change? No, we need to truly follow Jesus. Friends, we're not standing in a crowd watching him heal the sick and cast out demons, but we can be tempted to stand at a distance. We, we come to church, we like the social stuff, we pick up some friends, but we never really listen to what Jesus says. We get close to Jesus, we have that proximity, but we're not yielding to him. There were a lot of people who were around Jesus, but never really listened. Even one of the 12, Judas, he was with Jesus for three years running. You don't get better than that proximity. That's the same closeness Peter and John and the rest had. And yet the entire time, Judas was stealing from the money bag and finally sold Jesus out. Friends, if proximity was all it took, Judas got some splaining to do. If proximity all it takes... Well, then there's a lot of Christians that ought to be a little different. But if we truly follow Jesus, his teachings are going to shape us. We're going to be paying close attention. We're going to let him in. It's going to transform us. We will be full of light from the inside out. How do we get to that point? What do we do? Well, first you've got to recognize who Jesus is. He's not just here for us to get some entertainment or some social benefits. He's not just here so we can hang out at church and be with our friends. Friends, he has come that we might have life. That we might be forgiven and become children of God in every possible way. We start by recognizing Jesus is truly the Son of God sent to us and then we obey Jesus you got to know who he is if you're really going to obey him but once you know who he is you better obey him to listen to his teachings to take them in to be transformed by his words and his spirit 
that light gets into you. Changes you. Shapes you. Molds you. Then you're truly going to benefit from the light Jesus brings. How's those eyeballs this morning? Open or closed? God is shining the light of Christ. What are we going to do with it? Stand with me and let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you. You have sent your son, Jesus. You have taught us. And he has given himself for us. Lord, help our eyes to be open. Help us to take that light. To let it transform us completely. All the way down to our core. That we could be like you. Father, draw us to your son. We pray in his name. Amen.